In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. This is a CBC Podcast. Grant Singer, one of the most in-demand music video directors ever. He's made videos for The Weeknd and Lord and a ton of others. Just released his first feature film. It's number one on Netflix. So he'll be here to tell you the surprising way that being a music video director makes you a better filmmaker. Grant Singer, coming up. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. When you make music videos, it's almost like writing a short story versus writing a novel, right? It's a different muscle. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. The song you're listening to right now is Starboy by the Canadian artist uh, The Weeknd. If I was to take that song and, say, combine it with like Green Light by Lord or How Do You Sleep by Sam Smith, what would you say all three of those songs have in common? Well, it's not just that we sing them to our cats while we're folding laundry in our house. It's also that these songs had videos that were directed by Grant Singer. Grant's now directed his first feature film. It's called Reptile. You can stream it on Netflix right now. It's number one on Netflix right now. It's a bit of a noir thriller, so I don't want to give too much of away, but uh, I, I do want to tell you a little bit of the plot. So Justin Timberlake plays a real estate agent suspected in the grisly murder of his girlfriend. The detective investigating him is played by Benicio Del Toro, and his wife is played by Alicia Silverstone. Grant Singer joined me over Zoom to talk about the film, um, and I started by asking him how the idea for this film first came about. Take a listen to this. I think for a while I, I knew that I wanted to make a crime thriller as my first film. There were a couple of things that um, I wanted this film to do, which was one, I wanted to evoke this feeling of being deceived. This sort of it sort of imbue this multifaceted sense of deception was really important for me. Um, I want to do something where we introduce the film with, you know, one or two characters, essentially like a prologue, and then you pass the baton and change protagonists, you know, 10 or 15 minutes from the movie, which we do. And then I knew that I I wanted to explore this idea of the hunter is the hunted, which is something that you see in Coppola's The Conversation with Gene Hackman. Um, it's something that I've, that device, that sort of, that deception, that, um, sort of elegant card trick and storytelling was something that I really wanted to like integrate within the filmmaking. And, and then, uh, you know, just 
again, the film is sort of like a contemporary noir. And I think that, you know, it begins as an investigative thriller and then something happens halfway through the film and you experience the unraveling of a character's inner world and their life. And those are just sort of the things that I wanted to explore, you know, through this film. You know, and all of those things you just told me you wanted to explore at the heart of them was the first thing you said, which is that I was really interested in making a film about deception. And you, you meant in terms of like, how the characters could deceive one another, but also like how the audience can also be deceived by the filmmaker. What's what's interesting to you about deception? It's uh, in terms of storytelling, I love the feeling as a viewer, as an audience member, that the filmmaker or the filmmakers are misleading me, that the film is in very unpredictable ways. I think it's very enjoyable and fun and playful and um, engaging. And I think at the end of the day, when you make a movie, at least in my instance in this in this you know speaking from my personal um experience it's you know you make a movie that you want to see and like this at the time when um ben my co-writer uh we were you know conceiving the story together this was the movie that i wanted to see you know and i think that in terms of deception it's funny because i just did a q a at the dga theater on sunday and uh louis leterrier who was interviewing me um was talking about rosemary's baby and i was like oh that's a great example right of a movie that's sort of deceiving the viewer as well as mia farrow's character who's being deceived in real time and those are just i think experiences in terms of a crime thriller like themes that i think are very um enjoyable you know they're 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 seductive you know even even if you look at a movie like vertigo which is one of my favorite movies of all time you see jimmy stewart being deceived right throughout the making throughout the duration of the movie and then certain things, you know, happen and he has a sort of internal reckoning and it's about the recreation of trauma and obsession and all these different things. And it's just, I think, an enjoyable ride for the viewer to be on. Yeah, I think you're right. There, there's something about when, when when that turn comes, and again, I, I want to be careful because I don't want to spoil your film, but there's something about um, spending a lot of a film thinking you're smarter than the protagonist. Oh, like, oh, I know something that the protagonist doesn't know, and I'm watching the protagonist get deceived, but uh, I know that and they don't. And then there's this moment where you go, oh, no, I'm being lied to as well. Right, exactly. And, you know, I think one of the things the film does is it's a commentary on America's fascination with true crime. And I think if you think about true crime in relationship to crime films, is that in real life, oftentimes there's much more about this idea of not knowing, right? The ambiguity of true crime, <clears throat> the grayness of it. And I think that that was something that we were trying to explore, certainly in the script writing process, was evoking this feeling of not knowing, right? This, the ambiguity of leaving certain things unknowable, but also having to calibrate that with the with wanting the audience to be satisfied right at the end of the movie so it's this really sort of delicate dance you have to take um as a filmmaker you didn't uh, go easy on yourself in terms of who you picked to uh, star in this film um and i heard the story and i'm hoping i might be able to get the story off of you where because because yeah. as i mentioned on the way in you're 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 a music you, you come to film directing through music video directing um, and through, I mean, documentary making, um, not through acting. And my understanding is, so you you get Benicio Del Toro to be in your film, and then you, this non-actor, has to act. I can see your face turning red. You had to act with him. Can you tell me that story? Yeah, so it was in his, uh, we were meeting at his place one day, and uh, essentially he says, all right, let's do the scene. And 
I have very minimal acting experience. I think um, part of the story was that when I was 10, my grandfather said, um, you know, Graham, maybe you should try, you know, being an actor, you should, you know, explore that. And I, I love my grandfather so much. And I said, okay, sure. So I enrolled in, in summer camp, an acting summer camp. And they were doing um, a production of The Wiz, and I was cast as Toto. And all I had to do on stage was bark, right? And it's it's ten years old. You're already, you know, an insecure kid. You know, you're you're just you're just forming your your who you are. And I had to go on stage and just woof and bark, and it was kind of humiliating, but whatever. <laughs> I did. And, um, like two or three days, I, I can't remember how many days, but it was, it was shortly before the the big production at the end of the summer. Um, my grandfather died. And the only reason I did it was for him. So then there was this moment where I had to, you know, go on stage, perform as Toto. And it was just, it accentuated the emptiness, that harrowing feeling of like, I only did this for him. And uh, <laughs> that, uh, that was the last time I ever acted 10 years old as Toto. And then cut to 20 years later, I'm in Benicio's living room. And he says, uh, all right, let's do the scene. And now I have to act opposite one of the greatest living actors and uh I, we were doing a scene w- that was between benicio's character and the michael pitt character and we did it and it was a great experience but again it was just thrust into <laughs> into essentially working with you know great actors and i just found my way how did you approach that from the directing side how did you approach working with these sort of veteran actors i know it's a broad question i approach directing very intuitively through feeling an emotion and i'm um I, I've, I've, I'm a student of film, so it's not like I just I come from a very visual background and wanted to make, you know, I, I'm not like it's all about like the image. Right. It's very much to me about the storytelling and the characters. I speak to actors the same way I speak to, you know, my cinematographer, my production designer, my collaborators. And just we talk about ideas and, you know, I've I've it was it was just very natural. I mean, I was very fortunate to work with great actors who who have such a strong grasp of their craft. And I learned a lot and um, it was, I don't, it was very subconscious. Did you learn, when you say I learned a lot, did you learn something when you work with actors at that level about what maybe someone like me, who's a film viewer, doesn't understand about what makes the great actors great? You know, that's a good question. Um, I think that um, great actors at least in, in my experience, they approach um, their work the same way I would approach my work uh, through a lot of thought, a lot of uh, a, a lot of research and ideas and focus and concentration and wanting to really understand a moment in the scene. And um, it was it was, you know, I think uh, I think every actor that we worked with or I worked with on this movie, you know, approached their process very differently. But you know, I, I the, the way I think about directing is like the way I think about speaking, right? Like you might want to speak a certain way, but at the end of the day, when you open your mouth, you're just going to sound the way that you sound, right? You can't be someone that you're not. I just worked with the actors the way that I would, you know, work with anybody, you know, and just talk about my ideas. And they were very generous. And of course, it was certainly intimidating that this is my first movie and to have such an, like an enormously talented cast. But I tried not to think about it because I think if I did, I would have probably felt, you know, insecure in some way. I, I wasn't, I was trying to sort of keep that hidden in my mind. I'm Tom 
Power. You're listening to Q. I'm talking to the director, Grant Singer. His first feature film is called Reptile. It's out now on Netflix. It's actually number one on Netflix right now. As I mentioned earlier, Grant became uh, famous for directing music videos for people like Ariana Grande and Lord and The Weeknd. And I had heard that the video for this Weeknd song called uh, Call Out My Name was his favorite music video project. So I asked him about it and like why it was so special to him. So call out my So I think, um, first and foremost, that was the final video that I did with Abel the weekend. Um, and so by that time, we had worked together for so many years and we had a, a real like trust. And I think the collaboration was just um, we both, I think, felt free in the process of making a video where I, I don't feel like I'm having to. Um, when you're when you're directing music videos, it's very much an advertisement for the for the artist, but also the song. And you're trying to create an image and, 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 you know, make something that is like as iconic as the music, especially if it's a hit, like the songs that the weekend has had. And I think with this, I felt more free where I could just sort of explore things that I was interested in, right? Like doing things that were graphic, that film really had, I'm sorry, that music video really has like, I want to say directorial perspective, right? Like I commit to frames, I commit to images. It's not very rapid fire. There's, very immersive stuff in that thing. It's very visceral, but then there's there, there's like very sort of formal, very presentational visual imagery that I like. Um, and I think it's just the most representative of my aesthetic and my style. You know, I think that's what ultimately what it comes down to. I think, I think I, I love to hear you say that because what I was curious about was your, your work uh, all the way through, but in, including this film is, when you say directorial, I, I wouldn't know enough about it to, to say that, but like narrative based, like you're, you're, you're interested in storytelling within your videos as opposed to just, you know, documenting a performance or something like that. I mean, that made sense when I watched Reptile and then went back and, and, and watched, your, watched your music videos. Where, where did that drive come from you as a creator, even back as a music video director, to be a storyteller within it? I think I love creating atmosphere. And I love creating like a sense of place. Like first and foremost, I love um, when I think I love about films and music and movies is um, it's, it's an opportunity to live a life outside your own, right? As people were stuck inside our body and stuck inside our experience that our two eyes um, observe. And I have a very strong desire when I'm making things to create a strong sense of place, to create a strong sense of atmosphere. So you're, you're you're thrust into a world that's outside your own that's very strong and intense and visceral and i think it probably first and foremost comes from that my favorite films and just on top of my head whether it be you know vertigo or in the bedroom or um wild strawberries like i can or the shining i can like feel and 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 really sense like in a three-dimensional way the place and i think that's like First and foremost, where I, where I, where my my initial sort of vision comes from, um, and then the rest is very much intuitive. Like I, I, it's very hard for me to almost like diagnose myself and wonder where certain things come from. But I think feeling is like the thing I'm really after. Like, how does a work make you feel? How does a moment make you feel? I'm always trying to make things that are both 
alive and have vitality, but also feel restrained and real. My music video work was very much about spectacle, right? Like it's like you need a three minute spectacle to make something that's kind of, you know, tell something, tell a story or do something visual in a very short period of time. And my film Reptile is very much the opposite. I was exploring restraint. I, I'm very interested in very formal, traditional, classical cinematic techniques. And it's just a taste thing. And I want to make something that was in more of an homage to filmmakers from the past, from seeing Lumet to Hitchcock to whoever um, that uh, that are more representative of, of my taste, that things that I couldn't necessarily explore in a music video because it wouldn't be appropriate to. Right, of course. And then and then I see the homage to Hitchcock, to, Hitchcock too, uh, in that you have a cameo, like a very small cameo in Reptile, the way that Hitchcock did, the way that the way that they that Lynch did. Well, just going back to that cameo for a sec, I didn't intend to be in the movie, even that small cameo. That was uh, the final uh, when you shoot a movie, you block shoot it. So we shot Nichols's house at the end, like we shot all of the scenes at Nichols's house. Nichols is Benicio's character. Um, we shot all of the scenes at uh, Benicio and uh, Alicia's house at the end of the movie. And it was like the second or third to the last day. And Benicio, just, Benicio said, you know, get in the frame. You do it. I want you to do the faucet. So he kind of was like encouraging me to do it. Right. And I was like, no, 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 it's okay. And then he's like, okay. So I said, I'm not going to curse, but I said, okay, I'll do it. Right. And, um, I, uh, I put on a t-shirt and, and, um, unwrap the faucet. And it's a, it's a funny little cameo that I have. No, I don't have any speaking lines, but it is whenever my family or when I watch them with friends, they get a real kick out of that scene. Oh, that's I, I thought it was. And so I thought it was intentional. I thought it was like an homage, given that I, I knew from the research for this interview that you're, you're a great lover of classic film and a great lover of Hitchcock. I thought, oh, he's he's doing a Hitchcock thing here. No, it was not intentional. It was very much like we were kind of celebrating the end of the movie, the end of the shoot. And, and it was kind of a playful thing. Benicio said, hey, get in the frame. You know, I think I'm I think I'm going to edit that part out and keep my narrative intact. <laughs> Happy to do, you can do whatever you want. I'm I'm going to get you to say yes, Tom. You're right, and it's going to be great. You know. <laughs> uh, well, let me let me close off this way. I, I mentioned this before we turned the microphone on, but it's been an interesting month here on Q because we've spoken to a number of uh, filmmakers who have made you know these very powerful films who came from music videos. We had Jonathan Glazer on. Um, we had Tarsem Singh on. Um, the question I, I'll ask you is the question I, I asked them. Are you a different feature filmmaker because of being a music video director? And I won't tell you what they said. I would say absolutely. I think that uh, when you make music videos, you are, you're constructing a version of yourself that's really formatted to, again, just in my experience, formatted to that medium, right? And And it's it's a it's a different way to articulate your vision and you have it's a it's it's almost like writing a short story versus writing a novel right it's a very it's a it's a different muscle to exercise um i do feel like my film career and the movies that i want to make and my the way i approach movies um at least in reptile was um i was rebelling against what i had done for a decade because i felt like that was just one part of me, but I was never able to access and explore and express this other creative side of me. And um, I think that 
music videos is a wonderful way. You know, I was at a film school and I didn't know how to break into the movie industry. It was like so daunting. Like, how do you become a director? And I just happened to have friends who were musicians and bands. And I was always the film guy. My first videos, I was director, DP, gaffer, grip, editor, cinematographer, catering. I just, it was a one man show. I had a camera in my right hand and a light in my left hand. And it was a great way to just begin my filmmaking journey. It's a very accessible, it's like a thing, it's a step forward. And, and of course, I grew up in the generation where I looked up to people like Fincher and Spike Jones and Jonathan Glazer and Michelle Gondry and all those, Mark Romanek. And it was like, well, maybe if I make music videos, one day I can make a movie, you know, and I can continue getting better and better and also exploring and just, it's like practice. If you're going to be a basketball player, you got to shoot hoops in the backyard every day and it's a great way to just get better and, and discover what your style is and what you like and and things like that. Um, I, I love that answer so much. I, I love watching the film. I'm going to kind of watch it again now, thinking differently about it, um, given what we talked about earlier. Um, and congratulations on the number one film on Netflix. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys having me. That's the director, Grant Singer. His first feature film, Reptile, is out on Netflix now. All right, that's it for this uh, episode of the show. The other episode we put up is, I will say, longtime friend of the show, Emma Donahue, one of the greatest authors in Canadian history, Irish-Canadian author. Um, she has a new book out. It's called Learned by Heart. She's been working on it for something like 30 years, and she'll be here to tell you why now is the right time to put it out. Okay, go check that out. We'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.